Matthew chapter 11. It'll be on the screen for you, but good for you to look at it in your Bible as well. Matthew chapter 11. Let me ask you a question as we begin this morning. How many of you would say this morning, Pastor, I am burdened, right? I have a burden. I am carrying a burden at the moment. Lift up your hand. You're carrying a burden. Now, be, listen, it's always good to be honest. Usually being honest with yourself is the most important part of it, but you have a burden this morning. Lift your hand up. You've got a burden this morning, right? Now, if we think about it for long enough, more and more hands will go up. Isn't that the way it is? Because we've all got burdens. We've all got things that are going on in our lives that are a burden to us. And um, Jesus has something to say to you about your burden this morning. He has something to say. I don't know. I suppose that every age imagines uh, that they have uh, greater burdens than the ages that have gone before them. But, but you know, as I look at the the burdens our age carries, I I think... You know what? We, we definitely have burdens that are unique uh, to our age. One of the burdens we have is that we know what's going on. Listen to the news this morning, talking about Syria. And, I mean, the thing in Aleppo is just, I mean, <clears throat> that is just so sad. It is so, <clears throat> that, that poor place is so wretched and so broken already, and it's just being smashed and smashed. There, there are, <clears throat> I think, at, at this point, over 300,000 people dead since that started, since the whole thing started in Syria. Uh, and I heard this morning, half of the population are displaced. Can you imagine being out of your home, away from your work, away from your place of business, away from your family, away from all that was comfortable and secure for you, and you've no idea when you're going back or if you're ever going back or if it even exists anymore. I mean... We live in a world uh, that has burdens, and then we have the personal burdens in our lives. And I'm sure all of you have things going on in your life this week that are a burden to you, that, that, that rest heavy on your shoulders. And <clears throat> it's easy for us to think, it's easy for us to get just weighed down and stooped with the burdens. Because, you know, you carry them all the time, and then you get over one burden, and there's another burden, and you carry the burdens all the time. It's easy for us to get uh, weighed down and stooped with the burdens. But Jesus has something to say to our burdens. Jesus has something to say to help us with our burdens. And Jesus never says something hoping it'll be the fix. You know, you might, you might talk into somebody and they have a problem and you might say, well, you know, why don't you try this? This, this might help you. Because you don't know, do you? Jesus knows. When Jesus helps us with our burdens, he's given us the help. He's telling us the way to get help from our burdens. And if we'll take it, we'll be helped. If we'll take it, we'll be helped, right? So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I'll put up on the screen there for that. Matthew 11 and verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, would you bless us now, Lord. Uh, Lord, <clears throat> words that we've heard before, words that mean something probably to every Christian in this room. But Lord, would you take them and give them life in our hearts and in our lives, in our week this week. And help us to uh, bring our burdens to you. Help us to come to you, Lord, that our burdens might be made light. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing he says is, he says, come. 
And that's probably the hardest thing for us. He says, come. You know, in order for us to come, first of all, what we've got to do is we've got to recognize that you have a need. Recognize that you have a burden. And sometimes for us, the burdens are so perennial. They're just so much part of life. They're just there all the time that we almost forget that we're carrying a burden and we're just stooped with them. We're just bearing this burden. We're just moving along, but, but it's, it's heavy and it's there all the time. And we forget. And, and he says to us, he says, come. Now, rest won't come to you. Okay? Rest won't come um, by you going on a holiday. He says, come. You got to come. You got to come. We don't like feeling our need, but without it, we would never come. Do you know the burdens are there very often to press us to come to him? To, and, and isn't it true? Man, I, I wish I could say to you this morning, well, you know, I've, <clears throat> I, I've gotten this thing licked and burden or no burden, uh, I am always come to the Lord at the same, uh, with the same level of energy and the same pace. No, I don't. When the burdens get greater, I get drawn in deeper because my needs are greater. And you know, God lets burdens into your life because he wants you to come. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You can sit and complain about your burdens till kingdom come. You gotta come. You gotta recognize I have a burden. This is real. And then you've gotta come. You've gotta come. You've gotta decide I'm gonna do something about it. Now the world will have all kinds of all kinds of things that you could do about it that are not the right thing. But you know what? Jesus can show you what to do about it and it will help you. So he wants you to Come. Just simple. Just come, right? Then he tells you where to come. Come unto me. Now, see, the first one we can miss, the second one we can definitely miss, can't we? What do you do when you're burdened? Well, you know, if you do something, it's probably not come to him. You know, we have a burden. You, you, You may have somebody that you go to to help you with your burden. And you know what? Talking about your burden sometimes helps, doesn't it? But it doesn't take away the burden. Talking about your burden sometimes, sometimes can be a help to you, but it doesn't take away the burden. Some of you, what you'll do is you'll take and you'll talk to one person about your burden and you talk to somebody else about your burden and you talk to somebody else about your burden. And, you know, but you're never actually getting help for your burden because that's not where you go for help. Listen, you know, talking to people has a place in your life. But people can't take away your burden. Now, Somebody who's giving you good counsel will actually point you to Jesus because he's the one that takes away burdens. But people can't take away your burden. And, and what you'll do is you'll talk and talk and talk about your burden and then you'll go home with your burden at the same time. See, Jesus says, come to me. Uh, you see, religion won't fix your burden. Right? <clears throat> he doesn't say, come unto religion. Right? He doesn't even say, come to church. Right? I think church is helpful. Obviously, I'm glad you come to church. I'm glad the church is full on a Sunday morning. But you know what? That's not what he says. He doesn't say come to church. Don't we do that sometimes? Okay, okay, right. You know, it's Saturday. You know, Sunday's coming up now. I'll go to church and I get a fix that'll carry me through the week and I'll be okay for a few days. No, it's it's not religion. It's not coming to church. Uh, It's not even come to a counselor. It's come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's come to him with your burdens. He says, come unto me. And, and here's the picture. Here's the picture. You have the Lord Jesus Christ and he's got his arms open and he's saying to you, okay, you're burdened? Come. Come to me. Come 
come unto me with your burden. You can't find help for your burden anywhere else. You can't get it fixed anywhere else. He says, come unto me. Isn't that a wonderful invitation? Isn't that, isn't that just precious to think of? Uh, the fact that he says, come unto me. <clears throat> he wants you to come to him with your burden. And, and sometimes the hardest thing and the last thing that we want to do is come to him. I don't know whether it's the enemy that gets in our way or whether it's our pride that gets in our way, but sometimes the hardest thing is to come to him with your burden. The hardest thing is just to come to him and talk and, uh, tell him about it and leave it with him. But he says, come. Come. Now let me give you two areas you're supposed to come in. First of all, you're supposed to come for salvation. If you're not saved this morning, do you know that Jesus' arms are open wide to you? And he's saying, come. You see, Jesus came to the earth to save sinners. That's us. Every one of us here. And he came to the earth to pay the price for sin that we couldn't pay for ourselves so that if we would come to him and receive the gift of salvation from him, he would save us. And remember, before we're saved, there's not a relationship between us and him. Before we're saved, we're spiritually dead. After we're saved, he brings spiritual life to us and he, he, he puts us in the place where we can actually relate to him. And if you're not saved this morning, he wants you to come to him in salvation. He wants you to come and see your sin, understand you're a sinner, understand you have a need. The burden of sin, by the way, is the greatest burden of all. Understand that you have a need, that you have a burden of sin. Understand that, that, that there's a price to be paid for your sin. The Bible calls it death and health, serious price but that there's a Savior that came and paid the price in your place. He took the punishment. He took the beating. He paid the price. And if you will trust, depend upon him, if you will believe in what he has done, he says he will save you. That's the first thing he wants you to do. He wants you to come <clears throat> in salvation. But then he wants you to come. And he doesn't want you just to come and get a fix from time to time. Right? Don't we do that with our cars? You know, your car gets low on petrol and you look at the look at the dial going down and before it hits the end, you pull into a garage somewhere and you fill your car up again and hopefully you get a week or two out of it before you have to go back again to fill up and you don't think about it in the meantime. Sometimes we kind of treat God like that, don't we? Okay, I've got a burden. Things are bad. Things are really hard. I need to go and get fixed. And you know, and you, eventually you get around to it and you come and you get fixed and then you go off. And you think you're going to travel in the power of what you've gotten uh, for for a couple of weeks, maybe. And he doesn't want you doing that. He wants you to come. John chapter 15, we're not going to look there for time's sake, but John chapter 15 talks about abiding in Christ, dwelling in Christ, resting in him, living in him. Yeah, it's a beautiful passage. You're taking read of this afternoon. Beautiful passage where it talks about us coming and abiding, staying. We come unto him and we stay. We come unto him and we get our burden fixed all the time. Not just when it gets too bad for you to bear. But we come unto him. He, that's what he wants. He invites you to come to him and he wants you to stay. If you abide in me and my, my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, he says, and it will be done for you. He wants you to abide. He wants you to come to the, See, he, wants, he brings burdens into your life to draw you to him. And then he brings burdens into your life to keep you there. And here's the thing. When you're there, you're the happiest you're ever going to be on this planet. When you're abiding in him, when you're walking in him, when you're resting in him, that's the happiest place this world has for you. 
That's the well. Listen, if you've not been there, if you've not enjoyed that, let me tell you, and that is where Christianity gets sweet and real and true. But it's not just come when you have a hard time, get fixed and go. It's come and abide, come and stay, come, come and live. He says, "Come unto me," and then he says, <clears throat> "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You're burdened and." You're heavy laden. You know, it's easy for us to get burdened and heavy laden in the world, isn't it? Lots of things out there that can get you burdened and get you heavy laden. Lots of problems. Lots of problems in relationships where they're not working out. Problems with children. Financial problems. Health problems. The world and its brokenness all around you and dealing with it all the time. Lots of problems that can make you burdened and heavy laden your own failure, your own sin, that there are lots of things out there that can make you feel burdened and heavy laden. And, you know, the thing about it is that, you know, this is only for people who feel burdened and heavy laden. Some people can flippantly go through the world like nothing matters, and it doesn't matter, and they just kind of throw it all off. Nothing matters. If you can go through the world like that, you know what? You don't need help, and you're not going to need help, but there's something wrong. Because we live in a world that's got problems. And you've got problems, and I've got problems, and we've got burdens. <clears throat> and he says we're to come unto him. We're to come to him with our burdens. Come to him when you, when you feel the weight's too great to carry you, when you feel you can't take it anymore. He says, bring your burden to me. Bring your burden to me. Come to, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now, the fourth thing he says is kind of interesting to us <clears throat> because it doesn't seem to really fit with what's going on. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, uh, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Okay, now, when I come unto him with my burdens, I want a fixer, don't I? I want somebody who's going to step in and fix the problem. I want somebody who's going to step in at least and tell me how to fix the problem. I want somebody who's going to lift the burden off my back. And how does this lift the burden off my back? Well, let me, let, let, let me bring a couple of thoughts here, right? <clears throat> you know, Jesus is the most fascinating the world person the world has ever seen. There has never been another like Jesus. There has never been another uh, who could relate to us like Jesus can. You have never had a relationship with somebody who can relate to you like Jesus can, and you never will. Now you say, hang on a minute, Pastor. No, uh, it's the truth. You have never had a relationship. Let me talk talk about some of of the things that it could be. What if Jesus were to say, what if Jesus were not meek? What if Jesus were not meek? What if we were were somebody who reacted to everything? Imagine if this passage was Elijah saying to you, right? Come unto me. Now, Elijah was a fire-breathing prophet. You know, if you said the wrong thing with Elijah, Elijah could pray down fire from heaven and you'd be toast. <clears throat> you know, he'd be a scary dude uh, to bring your problem to, wouldn't he? Elijah would definitely be, be difficult. What about Moses? Remember when Moses came down from the mountain and um, he, he saw the golden calf? What did he do? Uh, he lost the plot. I think he did it in a right way, but he lost the plot. What did he do with the, what did he do with the golden calf? He, he burned the golden calf. He put it in the water, and he made them drink it. By the way, he didn't care that all their jewels were in the golden calf. He didn't care. He didn't spare for that. He just did it. I mean, he was hot. I, uh, he was upset. Uh, what about John? 
You know, remember, remember John? <clears throat> um, when, the, when, uh, when the people wouldn't listen to Jesus and he's saying, dude, do you want us to pray down fire for them? We, we can do it. Do you want us to pray down fire? We, 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 we will sort this situation out. What have you had to come to somebody like that with your burdens? See, the problem with our burdens is they make us feel very broken, don't they? They make us feel not enough. They make us feel like we can't do it, like we can't fix it. We don't want to face anybody who's going to look at us and look through us and, 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 and give us a telling off. We can't do that with our burdens. They're our weak spot. They're our weak point. And we kind of get the idea, too, when we have burdens that everybody else has it together, and we don't, don't we? And see, sometimes you, the real burdens you don't want to bring to anybody because you don't want them knowing about them. But he says, come to me because I'm meek and lowly. I won't react to you. I, 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 I won't lose it. I'm meek and I'm lowly. <clears throat> Jesus is meek and lowly. Remember they brought the adulterous woman to him? You know, <clears throat> and Jesus said to them, okay, you want to stone her? All right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this, though, first. Whoever has no sin... Let them throw the first stone, and then we'll get on with this thing, and, and we'll, we'll deal with it. Right? And you know what? One by one, as he drew in the sand, they all walked away. Why? Because you know what? None of them were perfect. Do you know sin can make you very aggressive and very judgmental towards people? Sin in your own life, that is. Make you very aggressive and very judgmental towards people. Um, you know, and um, so they all, when Jesus put that up to them, they all walked away, and he looked at the woman, and he said, where, where are you, all your accusers gone? Has, is the none of them stayed to stone you? And she says, no, and he says, well, neither do I condemn you. And you know what? He was the only one that had no sin. He could have condemned her. He could have condemned her. Now, he didn't condone her sin. Don't get, that, don't get it wrong. Don't think that he condoned her sin. He didn't condone her sin. He told her, go and sin no more. But he did not condemn her. He didn't react to her. He wasn't out to get her. Do you know Jesus is never out to get you? He's never waiting for the moment to exact revenge. And we better be thankful that he isn't, because if he was, we'd all be gone, wouldn't we? No, he's meek. And he's lowly. When you come to him with your brokenness, he doesn't just react to you. He doesn't tell you to get over yourself. He doesn't tell you how selfish you are. He comes and he listens. He hears your burden. He hears what's going on with you. <clears throat> Remember the woman at the well? He comes and he has to go uh, through Jericho. Why has he got to go through Jericho? Well, because <clears throat> he's got a woman at a well he's got an appointment with. She doesn't know he's got an appointment with her, but he does. That's, that's a divine appointment if there ever was one. He goes to the well and this woman comes to the well and she starts arguing religion with him. Can you imagine arguing religion with the Son of God? <clears throat> and he ever so gently and carefully points out to her that he is the Messiah. After he points out to her that she's an adulterous woman, she's got five men, she's had five husbands, and the man she's with now is not her husband. But you know what? He doesn't go after her and condemn her. He shows her the way out of her problem. See, he's meek and he's lowly. What was Zacchaeus, the, the tax gatherer, the guy who by his own admission had robbed people? 
Nobody likes tax gatherers. Nobody likes those people that uh, that gather taxes, and uh, they certainly didn't like them in those day and age. Because you know, <clears throat> being a tax gatherer in those day and ages was gave you a license to take whatever you could from people, and you just paid Rome whatever was required, but you kept the rest. And so here's Zacchaeus. He's one of those. What does Jesus do? He goes to his house. He goes to his house to eat with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus gets gloriously saved. And Zacchaeus changes and goes away, <clears throat> a different man. What about Peter, after Peter's denial? Don't, don't, we, don't we sometimes look at Peter and we think, you know what, <clears throat> I'd never do that, and Peter's such a wretch, and why'd he turn his back on his friend in his hour of need, and you know, a friend in, <clears throat> uh, in need is a friend indeed, and he was definitely no friend then. Don't we kind of sometimes look at Peter and think, you know, Peter, you know, waste of space. But what did Jesus do after the resurrection? He says, go tell my disciples and Peter. Make sure he knows I'm risen. And, and tell him, I told you about him as well. And then in John chapter 21, he recommissions Peter. He tells Peter <clears throat> to feed his sheep. You see, Jesus is meek and lowly. He's not going to tear into you when you come to him with your burdens. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to condemn you. He's meek and lowly. Even the soldiers that treated him so cruelly. What does he do? His Father forgives him. See, when you come to Jesus with your burden, when you come to Jesus with your problem, you can come with all of it. There's nobody you could trust like you can trust him. You can come with your burden, you can come with your weakness, and you can open up and let it all be seen. And you see, that's what we need We need somebody to see us and say, you're okay. I know you. You're okay. I know you're not perfect. I know you cause most of your own problems. We need somebody we can bring the problem to and we can just let see it. And he responds to us beautifully every time. See, we do ourselves such a terrible disservice when we don't come. When we don't bring our problems in, when when we don't actually come and tell him about them. Now, let me read you something here from Tozer. Reading uh, Tozer has a chapter on this um, uh, on these these verses, and he talks about the burden that we carry. For those of you that can take it, I'm going to spend a few minutes on this. But for those of you that can take it, uh, let me read it for you. He says, "Let us examine our burden." It is altogether an interior one. It attacks the heart and the mind and reaches the body only from within. First, there is the burden of pride. The labor of self-love is a heavy one indeed. Think for yourself whether much of your sorrow has not arisen from someone speaking slightingly of you. As long as you set yourself up as a little god to which you must be loyal, there will always be those who will delight (coughs) delight to offer affront to your idol. How then can you hope to have inward peace? The heart's fierce effort to protect itself from every slight, to shield its touchy honor from the bad opinion of friend and enemy, will never let the mind have rest. Continue this fight through the years, and the burden will become intolerable. Yet the sons of earth are carrying the burden continually, challenging every word spoken against them, cringing under every criticism, smarting under every fancied delight, tossing sleepless if another is prepared before them. Now, you don't have to admit it to me, but you do need to admit it to yourself. Oftentimes the burden that you come to him with is 
the burden of yourself, of your pride, of you trying to keep up the image of who you are. You see, everybody in this room wants to be a nice person. And everybody in this room tries to believe they are a nice person at some level. And we have such a hard time admitting who we really are, admitting what we really are. <clears throat> he says this, and I'm, 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 I'm just reading little, little portions of it for you. He says, the meek man, about the meek man, but he has, the meek man has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. Do you know how weak and helpless you are? Now, I'm not asking you to put your hand up. But do you know how weak and helpless you are? Oh, don't we try and keep up the facade of we've got it together. Keep up the facade of, you know what, I'm a good guy. I'm I'm a nice woman. I'm a good person. Don't we try and keep up that facade? And the reality is, if we were honest, I am desperately weak. I am helpless. See, when we come to Jesus, we can afford to let it all out. We can afford to stop pretending. We can actually let him see. But paradoxically, he also knows that at the same time, he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. You know what? The one ha- Here's the reality. When you come to Jesus, you have to fess up to your brokenness, to your emptiness, to your weakness. You have to face up to it. You have to fess up to it. But you know what you find? Instead of Jesus condemning you, you know what he does? He affirms you. He says, but you're my child, but you're mine, but I love you. Oh, listen, when we come to Jesus with our burdens, when we come to Jesus with our problems, what we find is we find somebody who loves us. You don't surprise him by anything you tell him, ever. He knows. He's he's not afraid to go there and to see who you really are. He's not afraid somehow if he did, he wouldn't love you anymore. He knows. And he still loves you. And you see, the shame that sometimes prevents us from coming is totally unwarranted. Because he knows. Bring it to him. Bring it all to him. Just to finish with Tozer. In the meantime, he would have attained a place of soul rest. As he walks on in meekness, he will be happy to let God defend him. The old struggle to defend himself is over. He has found the peace which meekness brings. When we come to him and bring our burden and lay it down, when we receive his meekness, you know what? Then we have peace. We stop struggling. We stop fighting. We stop pretending. We stop having to make ourselves look good in people's eyes, and we find peace in our own hearts. Now, what was it that allowed Jesus to be so meek? Let me give you a few things here that I think you can help, uh, that you can apply to your life and will help you, right? First of all, we react when someone crosses us or goes against our plan, don't we? Think about it. This week, 
Isn't that what your problems have been? Isn't that where the burdens have come from? Somebody's crossed you. Somebody said no to you. Somebody has gone a different direction than you wanted them to go and done something, and you've gotten bent out of shape about it. Maybe somebody has slighted you. Maybe somebody has, you know, been mean to you. And, you know, and you've gotten bent out of shape because of what they said and what they did in your life. Isn't that so often? I know it's not always, but isn't that so often where our burdens come from? We feel we're not appreciated. We feel we're not accepted. We feel we're not loved. We feel whatever. We feel we've been chosen over. We feel somebody else has gotten what we should have had. We feel it's not fair. And we're slighted and we're, we're hurt and, and we react. How dare they? How dare they speak to me like that? How dare they do that to me? And we churn. And sometimes we go to bed and we churn for half the night because we're upset because we've been cast in a bad light. But you know, Jesus never, ever reacted like that. Never once. Reading about the crucifixion this morning, reading about him getting, <clears throat> getting um, tried uh, <clears throat> in Mark. And um, <clears throat> he, 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 Pilate wants to, to, to release him. And so he, he catches a great plan. I'll offer them Barabbas, the murderer, who's murdered one of them before, and they're probably going to murder more if I release them. They're certainly not going to ask me to release Barabbas to them, or I'll offer them Jesus, who I can release them. I'm going to release somebody. They choose. And they choose Barabbas. Jesus, who had never hurt any of them, only blessed and done them all good. And they choose the murderer over him. I mean, I'll tell you what. I would have said good night and walked away at that point. Wouldn't you? I would have said, you can't please these people. There's nothing you can do for them. I, I don't want to walk away right then. Jesus doesn't. Jesus, he never reacted. Oh, we see him dealing with some things, but he's not dealing with them because they're offenses to him. He's dealing with them because they're offenses to his father. He never reacted. Now, why did he never react? Simple reason. He had no plan of his own. He had no plan of his own. Do you know the problem for us so often is my plan. But God, this is not my plan. But God, this is not what I want. But God, I want you to take and do it differently because this is not what I want. Jesus never reacted. Because he was meek. He was not my will, but thine to the death. And you see, the meekness allowed him to face every situation without that reaction that so often destroys our peace and brings a burden on our shoulders. Because it was never his plan. You see, he was... His will was to do his father's will. That was all. My will is to do the will of my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. In John chapter four. That, that's my meat. My plan is to do the will of him that sent me. You know what? When you and I have as our meat, our very sustenance, to do the will of my father, a lot of the problems fall away in life. A lot of the problems just they aren't there anymore. 
when my heart is just to do his will. <clears throat> See, that was Jesus' plan. No purpose or thing was ever a threat uh, to his purpose in doing his father's will. I, I, I love it when he stood before Pilate, <clears throat> and, and Pilate says to him, you know, standing up to his full height, he says, don't you know that I have the power to release you, or I have the power to put you to death? He's just showing how great his power is. And Jesus says to Pilate, you could have no power except my father had given it to you. I'm not really worried about you, Pilate. My dad's in charge. The power you have is power that he gave. There was never anything to react to. Because Jesus lived in his father's world. Everything that happened was from his father. Everything that happened. Jesus never had a moment when he was surprised by what was happening because it was all of his father's world. Everything that's happening is his father's world. And isn't it true for us that oftentimes what happens is we get bent out of shape because you know what? What's happening is not fair. It's not right. Why do we have to receive this? How come we're, I have to put up with this? How come people are allowed to do this to us? How come people are allowed to treat us like this? How come people are allowed to speak to us like this? That's so often what happens for us. Never happened for Jesus. He never, and, and you notice him. I mean, when he's in that trial, you don't see him reacting. You don't see him getting bent out of shape. I'm getting bent out of shape reading it. <clears throat> And he's not getting bent out of shape. He's not getting bent. Because you know what? It's all his father's will. And he's perfectly at peace in his father's will. You know what? That's the place of peace for us. My father's will. That's the only place of peace. That's the only place I'm ever going to find peace. That's the only place you're ever going to find peace is in your father's will. Jesus found peace there, and it's there for us. He never reacted to people. He was doing his Father's will, and his Father was in control of it all. What was there to react to? Do you realize that you're of infinite value to an omnipotent God? You say, no, not me. Yeah. You may, you may not be of that great value to anybody else. You may not be even of that great value to yourself as you think about it, but you're of infinite value to an omnipotent God. He's taking you as his child. He's going to keep you with him for eternity. You are of great value. He's not going to let anything to happen in your life that's not for his glory and your good. Nothing. Nothing happening. Ain't nothing going to happen in your life this week. Ain't nothing going to happen in your life ever. He's got his hand on it. You're of great value. You're of great value to him. And you know what? If he's in charge of all of it, what is there to react to? What is there to get bent out of shape about? Well, people should respect me. Well, that would be nice. Two thoughts, though. First of all, they don't have to. And second of all, you don't respect, deserve as much respect as you'd like to let people think you deserve, do you? Because you're not as good as you like to pretend that you are. And if you can, you can iron out those two things in your head and stop expecting from people what you're not getting, you find a lot of peace in your life. You find a lot of help in your life. You find a lot of help <clears throat> for you. You see, Jesus never reacted. He was dealing with his Father and his Father's will. Do you realize... Nobody's going to do anything in your life this week except God first looks at it and says, 
All right, we'll let that in. <clears throat> that's what's needed. Nobody. And if that's the truth, then why react to it? Because your heavenly Father has allowed it into your life. You say, well, people treat me wrong. Yeah, and listen, if they treat you wrong, that's between them and God. But your Father allowed it for you. See, if we can just unravel this thing and get our pride and our self out of it, and then, no, no, hang on a minute, I'm living in his world, my father's world, my father's in charge, my father's doing what he's doing, and he's doing it all well, I can stop reacting. I can start being meek. And look at the last thing Jesus says. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now, you know, a bunch of you were honest enough to admit that you were burdened. Or, and if we'd, if we'd waited, another bunch of you would have actually saw your burdens and you'd have kind of started thinking about them too. I see you got burdens this week, right? What are you going to do with them? Struggle, strive, stress, wear yourself out, demand, manipulate, get bent out of shape. You're going to still have the same burden by the end of the week. It'll probably be worse. Or you could do this. You could bring your burden to Jesus. You could learn of him. Learn of his meekness and his lowliness. You could learn to be meek and lowly. And you could find your burden didn't necessarily go away. But you would have rest for your souls. So here you are, going through the problems, but your soul is at rest. See, it doesn't get better than that. And he says, it's there for you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. He says, come to me. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Now, you can battle your burdens through this week and every other week. Or you can learn the secret of coming. And what you'll find is you'll find rest. And you'll find change in your life. Because you come to him. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for the invitation, the sweet, wonderful, beautiful invitation to come. And, oh, Lord, I do pray for your people, Lord. Lord, that they might see it, that they might get it, that they might understand it. And, Lord, that this week they might come. Oh, Lord, not just to give you a telling off because of the problems in their lives, but that they might come to receive comfort and to learn of you 
and to watch the burdens fade into rest. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in hearts and lives even now. Let's take a moment and let the Spirit of God work in your heart, and you just respond to him. You may be carrying burdens. Come to him right now. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. Just come to him with the burdens and let him take them away and replace them with his meekness. Just as you stand. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> speaking to us. Thank you for inviting us. And Oh, Lord, may this be a week, Lord, uh, where burdens are turned into rest as we come to you. And Lord, may we come often and may we stay long. In Jesus' precious name, amen.